You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. I'm Arlene Bynum. It's time for Polite debate. And of course we are. And I'd like to welcome my panelists, John Moraz, former Liberal War Room Director. John, welcome. Nice to meet you. Nice to be here. Bill Hutchinson, journalism professor at Seneca and former broadcaster at CTV. Bill, it's nice to see you. I know that we were out there being out there, journalists yes. at the same time. Yes, absolutely. And it's it's nice to be here. But John, I think if this is supposed to be polite discussion, we're in the wrong place. Absolutely. That's okay. That's all right. We'll we'll get you into into shape here. All right. Why don't we start with the elephant in the room? You know, it really seems like money, the economy, financial accountability is turning into such a big part of the Ontario election. We know part of it is Kathleen Wynne, who's got who's got that baggage problem. But boy, here we have one more indication that there was some fancy footwork being done in the Liberal Party in Ontario. The deficit is going to jump to almost twelve billion dollars. John, this is, as we say, a problem for this government. It's certainly a challenge in this electoral environment. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that your average voter uh, is, con- is, is sort of considers the difference between $6 billion or $12 billion, that there is a deficit after mm-hmm. last year, there being no deficit, is a challenge for the Liberals. The real issue here is trust. And I think the message from the Auditor General, I think the challenge for Kathleen Wynne is, can you trust the numbers? Can you trust the current premier to deliver services for value and not bury our great grandchildren in debt from which we can never recover? And we know, I mean, deficits were so out of style. Nobody did it. And then Justin Trudeau said, yeah, I'm going to run a deficit. And Kathleen Wynne said, we're in. And they became kind of fashionable. They can go out of fashion, Bill. They are out of fashion, and I think the number that the uh, the electorate does care about is the $400 billion, which is what the Financial Accountability Office forecasts the total debt to be by 2020 and 2021, which is a huge number considering mm-hmm. when the Liberals came into power, the debt was $135 billion. So you've added a significant $265 billion to the debt in 15, well, it'll be 17, 18 years at that point, and that's a number that does frighten a lot of people because... When you look at that, they're going to have to cut something because you can't keep spending like that. It's a structural deficit. According to the Financial Accountability Office, it's a structural deficit even before they got to this budget. And now they've just added on to that. So and they have almost in a little bit of desperation. Is that a fair word? I think it is. And I, I think, you know, whenever I ran campaigns, I always thought, what does this look like to an ordinary voter? And my mm-hmm. nine-year-old father reminded me the other day that when he was, you know, 20 or 30 years ago doing our family budget, There was no notion of being in a permanent state of deficit and debt on your credit cards. People didn't operate that way. No, they didn't. And today, as we know, household debt, household deficits on annual business, people are paying, what, 12, 17% on their credit cards? It's way out of control. And they understand that desperation at the household level. So now they relate to these numbers. They say, oh, so on top of what I'm facing in my own household, uh, I'm going to face that institutionally going through my life. Yeah, so we have both of it. We have that pressure. On the other hand, you raised trust and said it was a challenge, which is a nice way of saying it's a problem, but it's, it's your party. It's a challenge. It's a challenge, <laughs> but we know what you mean. We know challenge is a very big problem here. Trust, and when you lose it, 
it is a even bigger problem. And Kathleen Wynne has got a lot of baggage in that. You know, when I read the headline, I thought, uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. This is not the first budget that they've had this problem no. with the Financial Accountability Office or the Auditor General. The last budget, they had the same problem. Mm-hmm. And and everyone has forecasted that that they are not actually, they didn't balance the budget last year in reality. The FAO and the Auditor General both said that. And so, yeah, trust is a problem because you've got a government that has lied about so many things over the years and has had problems with corruption, problems with, with police investigations. So who is going to trust it at this point? What is, what is interesting mm-hmm. to me about this, there's an analog. I mean, I worked for the current mayor, I think, as I was, I was mm-hmm. the war room director for the current mayor of Toronto. And when we were uh, contesting against first Rob and then Rob had to move out, and then Mm -hmm. Doug Ford, Mm -hmm. it was all an issue of trust. And people in Toronto decided they trusted John Tory, our Mm -hmm. mayor, who I think has done a great job, they trusted him more with the money than they did Doug Ford. Uh, But that that is ancient history here, Hold on a second. That's not Uh true, though, because a lot of people voted, uh, with all due respect to to Mr. Tory, and I I have great respect for him, they voted for him because he was not Rob Ford, because they were tired of the the circus that was going on, Mm -hmm. the chaos that was going on at City Hall. And in fact, according to the pollsters, if that election campaign had gone on another month, Doug Ford may very well have caught uh, John Tory. Uh, well, I mean, that was, that was, was a nice try. Was, it was, was a nice gain, try. Now we see, ground. is this so where they're going to go? Do we have yeah. a sneak peek here, Bill, of this is where this is going to go? Is Kathleen Wynne going to say, we have seen this matchup before, he wasn't trusted, but isn't it funny that he that he is still ahead in the polls? Things change. They do change. And it, it is ironic that, as I said, that at one point, the Fords, especially because mm-hmm. Rob was under scrutiny for a variety of things mm-hmm. we don't need to get into, no. but pretty serious things. Mm-hmm. And so his brother was perhaps colored by association during that year, that the worm has turned. Uh, and, and maybe it's not just about trust. Maybe, as you know, one of my great political mentors taught me, it, you don't get voted in, you get voted out. That's always been true in Canada. Right? Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, and that is the challenge that Kathleen Wynne is facing today. So it's not just trust, but also one of the great healthy things about Canadian democracy is we always have these two parties. And once the trough gets too big, we tend to move one We out. say They're that waiting. is enough. Now, considering what we're talking about, let's move it into the green belt and see you know, what we can learn from that. We had Doug Ford come out. Was he being honest? Was he shooting from the hip? Was he making mistake of John Tory and Tim Hudak where they get, may I say, the new modern cliche ahead of their skis and start saying things that doesn't resonate with their party. But he did a very quick turnaround. And then today we have Kathleen Wynne. And I, I don't know, do I smell a bit of desperation here? when she said, Greenbelt, Greenbelt, we're going to expand the Greenbelt. You're not suggesting that Kathleen Wynne made a a snap political decision just because she was in an election campaign Ah. that she was going to protect more of the Mm Greenbelt. She's going to double down on something because it didn't turn out the way she wanted. That was not a wedge issue that, that worked because... Doug Ford learned from Tim Hudak's mistake and John Tory's mistake. He walked that back. He realized, you know what, this is not something that, that we can stand on. So he walked it back, which was the smart thing to do. But what she's saying now is we're going to protect more. We're going to expand the green belt. Mm-hmm. What she's talking about protecting are wetlands and, and mm-hmm. other areas that are already protected. So, so she's really I, I, not I accomplishing see, anything. It's all, see, it's all political. Yeah. I see this differently in the sense that, first mm-hmm. of all, you need... There's a shock. You, you, Yes, of course. (laughs) You'd need federal sign-off to do any of this stuff, and I sort of know how legislation works. So first mistake, Doug Ford, it was the first time that I think he lost his message discipline. I suspect his his advisors were horrified. And 
It, it would give but the me... the reason he was talking about that was because of the affordability of housing. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the top concerns of millennials. It's mm-hmm. one of their... There was a recent survey that said it's one of their oh, main I concerns. I don't believe any of that. The reason he was talking about that, he's got a bunch of friends who are developers. No, there's who a lot of people talking about belt. the affordability of housing. There's millennials who, who are in their parents' basement and they can't get out of it and they're worried, can we ever afford a house? And part of he's the reason is find, the lack of, you know, of And what supply. I thought is maybe he's trying to throw it out here and saying, I'm open for business, that, that everybody wants a different tone. That's and fine. I agree with so you. I'm open uh, he for got business ahead is of it, fine. He got ahead of himself. He, uh, he had to walk it back. By the way, he walked it back pretty well. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to sabotage him. Like he walked it back pretty well. He does have that great populist advantage of saying, well, mm. folks have spoken and folks and have told folks. me and folks and he refused and folks, and folks, and folks. That, that took away that wedge issue and that's why Kathleen Wynne doubled down on it today and said, I'm going to expand the And I think having criticized him, I'll criticize her. I, if I was, if, if I was advising her, I would have said, let him sit in that mire, mm-hmm. say absolutely nothing, mm-hmm. get onto a different but message she's desperate track. now. And I think she made a mistake doubling down. I think there is an environmental constituency out there. I think they generally tend to vote NDP. And she's, she's of course, trying to rally that vote. Mm-hmm. Typically, I the think people she made a huge mistake here. Typically, people don't go to the polls and say, what's the best for the environment? They go. Maybe they, they, go to they used they to. We had a couple of elections, and then that kind of went out of style. And it's it's it, if, it's if it's people really cared about the environment, head. then they would be there'd be more green uh, MP, MPs and MPPs. Having and, said all this, having said all this, mm-hmm. if I was the liberal strategy, if I was sitting yeah. at that table, it would give me hope and pause that Doug Ford did make this mistake. Maybe he'll make another one. And we all remember Tim Hudak looked like Time he was on up. his way. And remember that mistake. Oh, well, you bet. In the conservative ranks, when they heard that, they were like, we have seen this movie before. And you're right. It's early. There was forgiveness. It was 24 hours. Turn around. And he did it a very in a very good way. He said he's listening. But I can see your point. People are wondering. However, though, how big of a mistake, Bill, could he possibly make? Because this is one of these situations. Kathleen Wynne is in. She's got a lot of bags. No, but I think this could have been a wedge issue in Toronto, and mm-hmm. that's where it would resonate with people, and that's where people would say, oh, wait a second, no, we don't want that. But not we don't in want the that. 905 area. Not in the 905. No. All right, we're going to take a break, and we will return. I'm Arlene Bynan, in for Alex Pearson. More debate right after this. This is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. And welcome back. We still have analysis, debate, and opinion. And uh, my panel, if you're just joining us, is John Mraz, a former liberal war room director and also former journalist. I want to put that in there. So if he starts uh, talking about covering stories, we know he's got a little skin in the game here. Bill Hutchinson, a journalism professor at Seneca and, of course, a former broadcaster at CTV. And it's great to have you both. Why don't we talk a little bit about NAFTA? And it's an interesting file because... It's not something that was part of the election campaign. It was thrown into the liberals, and it may very well define them. The dealing with President Trump has been difficult, and I think anybody from any party will agree with that. We're getting all these signs we may be close. However, look at, I mean, the tariffs, they were extended. All good news, there were stories in the Canadian press saying they're singing and dancing in the steel industry here. We had the prime minister come out and say, it certainly looks like they understand this isn't good for Canada. Now we know there's quotas coming up the backside. Bill, should Canada start to change here? We've got a protectionism within our own borders. We do not have free trade within our own borders. Is this a moment where we rethink some things and just how tough it is going to do a deal with this president? Yeah, well, Canada's uh, Canada's on its heels in terms of NAFTA. We're just trying mm-hmm. to 
protect what we've got Anything. as opposed mm-hmm. to to get any uh, new ground. And and Trump has played this very well from the American point of view. He's full of bombast and rhetoric and threats, and of course that makes Canada very nervous. And and how do we you know protect against this? So. Uh, Canada is in, in trouble in the NAFTA agreement, uh, NAFTA negotiations. Uh, and and you mm-hmm. good point, though, about uh, cross-provincial uh, borders. That's ridiculous that you can't move uh, goods easily across provincial borders in this country, and yet here we are worried about international and the, borders. And, pa- and they um, passed the beer. It's just been upheld. This is who we are. But we're saying... To the Americans, come on, you know, loosen things up here. Do we have a little bit of irony? And how much do we agree with Bill that we are in a bit of trouble here? Well, I, I think we've, we, you know, Pierre Trudeau described it right. We're the mouse next to the elephant. There's no question about it economically yeah. in terms of We don't of act like that enough, though. Sometimes, I mean, we've been pretty arrogant with the United States, you know, and this is an example. I have been it? highly critical on a variety of files mm-hmm. of my own federal liberal government. I think Christian Freeland and I think the team yeah. who've been negotiating NAFTA and it's bipartisan have too, been... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tremendous, and it is bipartisan mm-hmm. team. That's fair, but I think they've been terrific. Uh, but they have there's a absolutely no predicting mm-hmm. what Donald Trump. I think that is the one thing we do know about Donald Trump. What Donald Trump will ultimately do. He doesn't know what he's going to do. But I do have friends. <laughs> if you read the deal, you know what he's going to do. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but we do have it's a couple pretty. of options. One, I, I'm inspired to hear what you just said. It mm-hmm. hadn't occurred to me. Why don't we correct our own trade imbalances mm-hmm. within the Confederation? That's a great start. The other one is there are opportunities. I'm told by people who play markets and this sort of thing to build stronger relationships with the Asian market and with the European market. Were we to suffer the indignity of losing this battle in NAFTA? Uh, and and all, let's also remember that Donald Trump isn't forever, that this is a conversation that's going to be ongoing for the rest of our lives and through the generations. Which is how the Chinese are playing it. That's correct. They realize that this is rhetoric, this is negotiations, this is empty threats at this point. There's nothing actually concrete coming out of Trump other than you know just the, the threats. So they're, they're playing the long game. They, they and they're know. fighting back a little bit, and we're not. We know that our prime minister has been very careful. Krista Freeland, though, she has been a little bit of a bad cop here, um, being very, very clear that she has been doubling down on, you know, there's a line that they will not cross. On the other hand, you know, you were just mentioning reaching out to other other areas. We've got the TPP, and we're going to reach out to, uh, you know, China and new relationships. It's a fraught thing. It's it's tough to do, and we're not ever going to replace the United States. Certainly not with India after the uh, trip by the PM. <laughs> All right. You had to get that in, and that's true. There will not be any great de- India deals, and India is a fantastic market. He mm-hmm. blew it, and I'm, I'm sure he thinks about that when his head's on the pillow every you day. Know, John. Through my involvement in reportage, where he is a political you know, advisor, uh, our bilateral relations with China have gotten better, by the way, through Chan, through Martin, through Stephen Harper, we our relationship, despite the criticism Harper, you know, received at the beginning of his term, have become better and better. And that trade uh, exchange, that trade relationship, can grow. I am told, as a direct result of NAFTA mm-hmm. failing. So there might be opportunity. Would it scale? Uh, a zero-sum game. Would we catch up? Uh, no. America will always be and must be our most important trading partner, our, our greatest ally. Uh, we're right. We're sitting here with an unguarded border right next to each other, and so it is. I I, I think that the Trudeau uh, prime ministership will rest. I mean, the legacy of that this prime ministership will rest on two things. One is that pipeline, and the other mm-hmm. one will be these NAFTA relations. Uh, and I very much hope that we're still at the table. 
and and trying to implore and make Donald Trump understand as we supported him in his action in Syria that we're here, we're their greatest ally, and that there's more to the world than trade. I very much hope so. And if you want to expand, it's a tough go. If you want to expand our exports, that pipeline has to be built because right now Alberta oil is selling at a discount of forty five dollars a barrel south of the border because we can't get it to, to tidewater. And that's a ridiculous situation. And we should have, should have built the Energy East pipeline as well so that we could actually transport that oil uh, back east and have it refined there. Well, and, and, and just look at this, Prime Minister, though. You're right. I mean, the, the pipeline is an extreme pressure on him. And NAFTA, he didn't even factor that in. But, you know, when when he was running in the election, this is where he is right now, is there was, you know, he was talking about a lot of things. The indigenous file, yeah, we're going to do this. Now he has to prove it. And the pipeline is a massive test, just as big as NAFTA. I think it's his greatest test, 1,000. Because you can't control the president, you can always say that, but he can he can control this pipeline. But he could also pick up, and hopefully, some of his people are listening tonight. He could start to negotiate, uh, you know, uh, trade imbalances and tariffs and problems from province to province and yeah. territory to territory. So we walk the make, walk. That's right. And that's make a file Canada's, that has yet to be handled. That's by a tremendous Ottawa. idea, and I do hope somebody mm-hmm. I do so somebody picks up that sword because it's a tremendous idea. And of mm-hmm. course, we were seeing an example of that where from the pipeline when all of a sudden Alberta and and BC were sanctioning each other's wine trade for whatever reason that was the one that they picked that sector. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, as it there is, should be no tariffs between provinces to start. But out. as it is, it's easier for Ontario to sell the wine south of the border than it is to sell out in BC or Alberta. And that's absolutely wrong. Yeah. It is. Yes. And that is an example of the irony of this country. And it is a great idea. I mean, if 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 uh, if the prime minister grabbed on that, it but it's tough. We still do it. We're still going to the NAFTA table and saying, "Well, hang on, and this is our dairy and you know, and then we we went there with gender specifications and we went there with all these lofty goals, Bill. And what there, happened, we haven't and what heard, happened Donald Trump started crickets. issuing threats. Yeah. Started issuing Done. threats and suddenly that was out the window and and we're trying to just uh, backtrack and hang on to what we've got. But let's let's remember that these economic contests were informed originally by really Quebec versus English Canada. That's where that started. And the sense that Quebec still wanted its own cultural or perhaps even national identity some of the time. And so there were always exchanges of tariffs and that informed the way the Confederation expanded. Um, That issue, I hope, seems to be dead (laughs) and Quebec will be for the rest of our lives and for uh, in perpetuity, part of Canada. So maybe now it's time to throw all of those old ideas and all of those old battles. Out. Yeah, we don't, we, we're not under the gun as much. That's right. To do those things. But, you know, it's interesting. I, I think the pipelines are going to define him in, a, it might be even more frightening, this pipeline story, because he's got to act in a way he hasn't acted before, Bill. You mean with leadership? I mean with leadership. Well, it's funny. I said, I think uh, three weeks ago on the show, I said, <laughs> you I keep I, saying it. I, I, I keep on saying I, this is probably going to end up in the courts, I, but I was very much hoping it wouldn't because I think that he does have the executive authority. He has he parliament does, behind him. They're, they're and I'm very there. much it's hoping, been decided. The, and the this is not a partisan hope, that he says, no, I don't care. I'm a federalist. We're a federation. And this is the way it's going to roll. We need the jobs. We need this income. This can be done. But he was in trying an to play both sides, and that was where he got caught. He was trying to play both sides. Mm-hmm. He wanted to play the environmental card. He wanted to appe- appeal to the, mm-hmm. the environmental side and not be promoting the oil and gas industry. And then it would just the happen on its own. As yeah. I said, he had a foot on two logs, and they started That's to spread. 
that with energy were, east and we're still maintain that pipeline will be built it will be built all right not from leadership maybe not kinder morgan getting cold feet john moraz former liberal war room director former journalist bill hutchinson journalism professor at seneca and former broadcaster at ctv gentlemen my pleasure thank you that was a lot of fun thank you thank you i'm arlene bynum for alex pearson this is global news radio You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.